Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Kara, and I will be reading the scripture today. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 from the English Standard Version. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, Mm -hmm. makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So please join me as I pray for Pastor Dan and his sermon today. Blessed Lord, who has caused Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may hear, read, learn, and inwardly digest them, that through the comfort of your Holy Word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you gave us in our Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kara, for leading us in the scripture reading this morning. Uh, after spending some time uh, around Philly throughout 
uh, my time at grad school, uh, I was able to develop some good friendships with those who are actually still in the city even today. And so back in 2018, when, um, back in 2018, I'm sorry, I was able to hear about secondhand about how um, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, I was able to hear secondhand how just the city was in uproar. Because you see, not only was there the usual intense, so to speak, celebration throughout the night of the Eagles' victory, uh, but for the days leading up to the Super Bowl victory parade, uh, you see the whole city come together where some restaurants uh, like Boston Market temporarily changed their name to become the Philly Market. Uh, you saw how Dunkin' Donuts in the Philadelphia area no longer offered the Boston Cream Donut, uh, but instead the Cream Boston Donut. You see, all of this centered around uh, the fact that for the very first time in, uh, in NFL history, the Philadelphia Eagles were able to take home the Super Bowl trophy. You see, their victory brought the whole city together to celebrate to rejoice, to feel a sense of camaraderie in the light of an historic, unexpected win. I mean, think about even Jason Kelsey's uh, speech during the parade where he was saying, the underdog is a hungry dog. He was mentioning how at every point of the playoff season, they were criticized, how the quarterback was too inexperienced, how the wide receivers were too slow, how the offensive line was not strong enough, et cetera, et cetera, how the coach was not proficient as a leader. Yet, that day, they celebrated the one victory, 52 years in anticipation. It was one so momentous that it felt like the entire city was celebrating together. Now, uh, think of, in a much bigger sense, more than just uh, a, a, a sports a game, uh, think of a greater victory with much greater anticipation. It is not just 52 years in waiting, but thousands upon thousands in wait. It was one that gathers not just one city together, but people from all cities. You see, the victory that I am talking about, the victory that Paul writes about, is what we find in the book of Ephesians. You see, all throughout the letter to the Ephesians, Paul makes clear the story of God's redemption. See, before time began, God and his sovereignty planned his work, his victory through Christ's death and resurrection, so that by faith, not by anything we have done that we may boast, that by faith, hostility between you and God is done away with, that anyone, anyone who turns to God is now called his child, a member of his household. So given that background, given that victory, Paul transitions. He pivots here in chapter 4 to give us a sense of how the story of God's triumph shapes the way that we look at life together as a community united under that victory. 
look, starting in verse 1, how Paul mentions the manner worthy of the call. This is the first big application that Paul makes coming off of the great news of Christ's victory. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is part of the manner that we are called to walk in. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Yes, individual character matters. That is what we looked at last week with the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul is saying the way you live in community matters. Paul is speaking into what lasting unity looks like. One that goes beyond the highlights of one Super Bowl victory. Unity is the result of, hap- uh, result of what happens when the Spirit of God works in a corporate setting. Reading on in verses 4 through 6, we get a glimpse of what exactly unites us together. Paul mentions that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. You see here, Paul is highlighting the essentials of the Christian faith. This is the faith that is not only affirmed all throughout Scripture, but throughout all of Christian history through the historic creeds and confessions over the past 2,000 years. See, there is one God who gives us his one spirit that we may be united to the one Lord Jesus Christ and where we participate as members of his one body by faith. You cannot stray away from this reality and claim the name Christian. We are unified under these truths. Yet, at the same time, unity in these essential truths do not equate to uniformity in all areas of life. Unity does not necessarily mean uniformity. Maybe this might clarify what I'm talking about. Think about an IKEA desk. While you might find uh, some different options for color choices, essentially you could pick up 10 of the same boxes, follow the same manual, and get the same product every single time. But on the other hand, if you've ever built your own desk uh, with scrap wood or with a live edge, uh, one that is not uh, trimmed down nicely, or maybe if you haven't built one yourself, you've gotten one custom ordered, you might find that because of the unique imperfections of the wood, each desk will have its own shape, its own knots and edges that are distinct from one another. Yet at the end of the day, they are all desks, but with its own unique variation. I bring this up because the church is less like an IKEA showroom where you will see tens or hundreds even of the same furniture, But instead, it'll be more like a collection of custom-built desks made by the same carpenter. Yes, we still believe in the same essential truths of God is. Yes, we believe in our need for a Savior who gives us salvation by faith. Yes, we believe in these essential truths and our character, the way that we are gentle, humble, patient, 
and loving. All of these things should be the same as we mature in our faith. This is true. Yet at the same time, we may differ in cultural norms, in history, political views, etc., etc. The list goes on. And on a similar note to that, because we may differ in these non-essential beliefs or views, there is a reality that there will be conflict, at least on this side of heaven. You see, because of the reality of sin uh, still present today, because Jesus has not returned to make all things new yet, we will still hurt and be hurt by one another. We will still clash with our perspectives on life. And so, whether that's true today, uh, or whether it's still true even centuries prior, Paul's call to the Ephesians and his call to us this morning is that even in the midst of said conflict, we are called to bear with one another in love, with humility and gentleness. Even if you disagree on the non-essentials, you are still part of the same spiritual family. Here's why that matters to you this morning. Frankly, we live in an intensely polarized climate. Where One, where it's normal to unfriend or block or even sh- publicly shame those who do not line up with your understanding of the world. And of course, yes, there might be times where you need to take a step back for your own mental health or well-being. But as Christians called to unity in Christ, we cannot wholesale reject another Christian who turns to Jesus in faith, who may disagree with us, who may disagree with us vehemently even. And so this is the challenge for you. Do you regularly engage with those who disagree with you? For those of Uh, who might disagree across partisan lines, who uh, might conflict with issues of race, socioeconomic status, uh, law enforcement, uh, the right to life, whether from the womb to the tomb, etc., etc. Do you regularly engage across these partisan aisles? For those of you that do engage, can you say that those interactions embody the fruit of the Spirit? where Paul calls us again in verses 2 and 3 to approach one another with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Can you say that you exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, or are you merely combative, dismissive, unwilling to listen to the other side apart from trying to prove them wrong? That is not the way that God has called us together by faith. Unity requires us, for those of us who cling to the essentials of our need for salvation, who our need of Jesus and the grace that he pours out, we are called to love one another, to engage with one another. Not to avoid conflict, per se. Uh, Yes, of course, we are called to have these hard conversations, but to never reject wholesale another fellow saint purchased by the blood of Jesus. 
how do we get to this point of unity? How do we get to this point of committing to one another even when we might disagree? First, it must start with the victorious God whom we turn to in faith. Look at how Paul continues from verse 6 onward. Starting from verse 8, it says, uh, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. It's almost jarring to hear Paul talk about this unity under this one God, this one Father, and then start talking about ascending, about taking captives, about giving good gifts. Yet, while we might be quick to overlook this quote to Psalm 68, uh, this is actually something crucial to slow down and pause over. Because what really joins us together as a church is not that we fulfill our obligation to some distant or far-off deity who cannot be bothered. No, it is that the one true living and personal God pursued us in love. What really joins us together is not some weak God thwarted off by human ingenuity or evil. Instead, we follow a triumphant, victorious God who ascended onto his throne. He is a God who was victorious, not just for one season, only to try again next year to, uh, to only have mixed results. No, he is a God who was victorious once and for all. The one true and living God we trust in. He accomplished this great victory through humility. He came down onto the earth. He descended. He willingly took up the cross and died for our sin, though we were his enemies. He is the God who rose again from the dead because not even the curse of sin could hold him down. He was victorious once and for all. And so he sits on the throne. What that means for you, church, is that your sin is forgiven once and for all by faith. But what that also means is that person who you might vehemently disagree with yet clings to the same Jesus in faith, Jesus died and paid for their sins as well. Their sins are forgiven once and for all. So it is not an us versus them, but us as a community. Therefore, we are called to love and pursue one another in faith. That is what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to love as Jesus has loved us. Though we might see them as our enemies, we are called to exemplify Jesus who died for his actual enemies, us. More than that, 
the good news of Christianity. It's not only that Jesus has done this for us in the past and now we're left to our own devices. No, it is that Jesus also gives us the power to live in faith. Because in his triumphant uh, victory, Jesus provides the good gift of the Holy Spirit as Luke proclaims in his gospel. It is through that same Holy Spirit that we are prompted to love sacrificially, even when it comes at a cost to us. Christ raises up teachers and leaders to present the truth of God that we may be mature, that we may attain the unity of faith, as it says in verse 13. So, what does it look like to live in the power of the Holy Spirit in unity with one another? First, it means studying scripture as a community. That means as you are worshiping this morning or when you are listening to uh, Liturgy Live today, uh, we together corporately are focusing and zeroing in on who this God is, what good news he has to share about the grace and redemption we have in Jesus. We are called to know the essentials and to be firm on these essentials as Paul lays out in verses 4 through 6. The one God, the one spirit, the one faith. So first and foremost, we are called to cling to those essential truths. Yet, with the non-essentials, yet where scripture is might not be crystal clear, we are called to engage with one another. To, to engage with those who disagree with you, to those whom you may think uh, are completely wrong. That means reading authors. That means talking with people that believe these things. It means pushing back against the temptation to think that engaging with these opposing views is dangerous. Because you see, true maturity True maturity in the faith is not just uh, living inside an echo chamber of just what we believe. It is knowing and humbly dialoguing with these opposing views, knowing that we have faith in, we are filled with the spirit of the triumphant God. It is not a weak God that we follow. It is one who through his spirit can break the chains of sin and death. So we need not be afraid. We can have freedom to engage critically. We have freedom to engage charitably, to learn the other side as they would say it. Uh, Some would argue, uh, instead of building up straw men, uh, we engage and know the arguments of the opposing view better than they do even. We can learn and have freedom to learn the underlying longings and through that being able to share thoughtfully how the risen Christ fulfills those deepest desires. We do not need to live in fear, but have faith in this triumphant God and exemplify humility, exemplify love, exemplify gentleness as we approach and as we engage with and as we seek to love fellow Christians and maybe even fellow community members who are not Christians. 
so that through our actions, through our words, through our deeds, they may see Jesus and grow and turn in faith. May we as a church emulate the attitude of one pastor named Scott Sauls, who titled a recent article, We Disagree, Therefore I Need You. You see, of course, we cling to the essentials of the faith. We do not divert away from our reality of needing Jesus. Yet at the same time, may we be a church that does not hide, that does not wall off, that does not create us versus thems, but willingly, humbly, lovingly engage one another in our broader community, sharing the love of Jesus through word and deed. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this victory we have in you, that, God, you have overcome the grave. Lord, I pray that as a church, as Mosaic Silver Spring, that we do not succumb to fear, that we do not succumb to uh, drawing harsh lines of division, but instead drawing others to the grace that we have in you. Lord, may your blood bond us together so that we do not see each other as us versus them, but that we see one another as a family of God brought together by your saving grace. Lord, let us have hope in the fact that, Lord, you are a mighty God and that you will protect and keep your church from uh, this day forth forevermore. Amen.